This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL hockey pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host, as always, is AJ Scholes, and you can follow him at AJ Scholes24. That's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z-2-4. Off the top of the show today, uh, AJ, uh, uh, we need to highlight the fact that our favorite teams met for the second of uh, three times this year, with the Leafs pulling off a rather dominant 5 nothing win on the road. I could go on about the whitewash by my team while missing two top forwards in the top six rotation, but I won't. Or did I just do that anyway? But uh, my question to you, partner, is that both these teams are undefeated on the road while sub 500 at home. Uh, It's early in the season, but it's a trend that's disturbing in both cities. And I wonder what your thoughts are from the Pittsburgh end. Well, first off, we got to look at the other game that we played that was also a 3 nothing <laughs> drubbing by my Penguins. Drubbing! Uh, so let's, let's, you know, let's not, uh, let's not say it's all one-sided. <laughs> and if you really want to get into talking about injuries, you've got Derek Broussard on IR. That's a top six forward missing. You got Justin <laughs> Schultz, a, a top four D-man missing. So, you know, if, if we want to go injury for injury, I'm happy to do it with you. Um, but... In terms of your question about being undefeated on the road, sub 500 at home, I think it speaks to both teams like mentality when they go on the road. You know, they're they're prepared to be uh, challenged. They're they're ready and amped up to come out and have a strong first period to kind of ride that that momentum to silence the crowd. There's a lot that goes into being uh, on the road. There's a little bit more of a, a laid back feeling when you're at home get to take it easy in the morning. You're not necessarily traveling. And so I I think it's something that both teams will work out. But ultimately, I I do think it's kind of that mental preparation for being, you know, the road team that's helping uh, both of our clubs in this scenario. Yeah. Um, And I'll say further to that, AJ, that uh, just thinking about things while you were talking there, uh, 
there's a target on both these teams' backs. When pit teams go into Pittsburgh, they're talking about a club that's won two of the last three Stanley Cups. So, so people want to be prepared going into that situation. In Toronto, of course, there's the uh, appeal of being on nationwide TV in Canada where half the players come from. So uh, visitors are fired up about, in a lot, a lot of cases, coming home or, or back to an old, near an old stomping ground. So there are a couple of factors in, in play in these scenarios for both these teams. And you might throw Montreal into the mix too in terms of teams that have a tough time with opponents getting fired up about playing there. So good points by you. And uh, yeah, we can have some fun about Pittsburgh and Toronto. They got one more game, I think, coming up in Toronto later this year to, to break the tie. But uh, we, can, we can look forward to that down the road. But uh, so far, it's two shutouts. And, and that's interesting too. The shutouts are kind of rare these days in the NHL. But uh, two of them recorded in this series. Uh, AJ, I know you want to give our, our listeners a chance to chime in with uh, an opportunity to contact us. Why don't you go through with that? Yeah, actually, before I do that, I I do want to encourage all of our U.S. listeners. It is Election Day uh, here down in the States. Uh, So I would encourage you, you know, if you're listening to this on your ride home, maybe divert uh, before you stop at home. Go and vote real quick. Uh, It's definitely really important that everybody get out and do that. Um, But, yeah, for the rest of the show, just remind listeners throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey or just hockey in general uh, you can tweet at us we'll try and answer your questions uh, throughout the week or perhaps during one of our shows you can follow me at aj shoals 24 and you can follow paul the statsman at statsman 22 all right aj and we're going to dive into our look around uh, 31 teams again there's lots of news and notes for each of the clubs so we'll get right into it with a look at anaheim situation they uh, uh, completed a 1-1 and 2 homestand they're at home for the next week, save for a, a game where they walk down the street to visit uh, the LA Kings. So not too much travel mileage on this club for for the time being. You can look at the fact that Cam Fowler has uh, got five points in the last three games. Uh, injuries, though, highlight the depth at center as they now look at Adam Henrique and Ryan Kessler to lead the attack. Uh, Ryan Getzlaff still sidelined for a bit. Uh, it's a luxury that these te- this team is really leaning on. There's one of a co- one of a very few teams that can point to three quality centers, and uh, they need them at this point in time with the big man out of the lineup. Pontus Aberg, I won't call him pointless, is at the top line on the right <laughs> wing. He's earned the right to uh, proper pronunciation of his name in this corner. Uh, he's uh, he's got uh, four goals in nine games played, and I think he's happy to be back in the fold in in, in, in Anaheim. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think injuries are are the big you know concern for this team. They've they've just been so banged up uh, to start the year, and you know if they can get healthy, if they can get everybody playing, uh, I do think this is going to be a really good team. You know, you've got Josh Manson is now on IR. Ryan Getzlaff is dealing with a, a an injury lately that we just haven't seen this team at its at its full potential, and I think uh, that's a concern as you get further into the season. I think if this team's not healthy by, say, December, they might be too far behind the mark uh, to really make an impact. Uh, like you said, they're 6-6-3, six, six, and three, so they're holding their own right now. Um, but if, if they can't get healthy soon, I, I think it's just going to be too much as, as the season drags on. AJ, we were looking at Arizona in the first week of the season wondering if they were turning into a soccer team, but they're starting to really score a lot more. They took it on the chin last night in Philadelphia, but they were on a five-game win streak, and uh, they're facing a swing through the Metro Division this week, uh, beginning with that loss last night. Prior to that, though, they can point to the fact they outscored the oppo- their opposition 24-7. to 
uh, with Alex Goligoski leading the attack from the point from the defense position with seven points in four games to snap his personal eight-game pointless streak to start the season. That mirrored the team's fortunes, actually. The team goals against is just around the two mark, which is fantastic. So I would say don't be afraid to play anti-Ranta or even Darcy Kemper in goal when you see Arizona in the lineup. It could pr- provide a nice value play the way the team's going right now. They have to be heartened also by the fact that Alex Galchenyuk got four points in his first five games and is looking pretty comfortable in that first center role. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit on the goalie situation, Paul. I, I do think Antti Ranta is a, a great play, but I would I would actually shy away from Darcy Kemper if he's in. Uh, he was playing last night, gave up four to the Flyers. Uh, and so for me, I think if Ranta's in, that that is a definite value play. You'll get him way cheaper than a lot of the other options. But for me, Darcy Kemper uh, is is a fade, uh, even though his numbers have been overall okay. Uh, but this is a career backup guy that I'm not sold on night to night. So just a, a minor disagreement with your take on that one, Paul. Well, I, I'm going to say, you know, if you're looking for a contrarian play, I'm talking Arizona goalies in general. But your point is well made. Why would you go too deep? in Arizona when there's probably going to be better options on the board for win probability if you want to go that route. So uh, I'll give you half a loaf on that one, partner. <laughs> uh, the Boston Bruins, 7-4-2 uh, and two is the record before last night's play. Charlie McAvoy uh, has been sidelined two weeks with an upper body injury. And uh, uh, and on the plus side, Troy Krug made his season debut last week. So they got one coming in and one going out. Uh, things are in flux in defense on the defense core, but it's surprising to me that the ageless Zdeno Chara is looking as good as he is playing almost 23 minutes a game. The the Bruins are really fortunate to have this guy in play and uh, playing the way he is right now. Oh, absolutely. I think uh, having Krug back and having Chara will definitely help. McAvoy, I think it's a linchpin for the future, uh, you know, but missing him for a little bit uh, won't hurt them too bad, I, I don't think, long term. Uh, what I find interesting with this club is the continued reliance on that top line, which isn't to say it's a bad thing. Uh, but if you look at the numbers, Bergeron, Pashanak, Marshan are combining for 53 percent of the total points scored by the team. That's pretty high here uh, for for one line. Now, obviously, we've talked about other teams where that's the case. And that is a concern for me with Boston is after that, uh, you know, Krejci's got decent numbers. DeBrus can be decent, but that left wing spot, it's Nordstrom right now. It's Ben Danton Heinen. Uh, Anders Bjork has gotten a look up there. So they really don't even have a full second line, uh, in my opinion here. It's that first line kind of all or nothing. And then Krejci and back is chipping in a, uh, or Krejci and DeBrusque chipping in a little bit. David Backus has not been up to snuff this season, still looking for his first point of the year. Uh, And so that's another concern with this team right now. Yeah. And it's in light of all you said, and I agree with it, they have an eight, four and two record. You wonder if they can keep it up. That's the challenge because that mark has them only tied for uh, with three other teams in the standings in that division. So it's going to be a tight fit and Boston's going to need some supporting scoring uh, because I agree with you. The top line is going to face 
big time checking every night and and you got to think they're going to wilt or go quiet from for periods of time so somebody else has to answer the bell there and in buffalo uh, the same thing is emerging here with jack eichel scoring at better than point per game pace blue line depth here has been strengthened with the return of veterans bogosian and mccabe that's good news for carter hutton and linus ulmark who are both playing well in the nets i'm a little surprised that they are limiting rookie uh, da- rasmus dalin to less than 20 minutes though partner that uh, will hurt his fantasy value though it may be good for his development i i think the, num- the numbers will go up and his ice time should go up as he uh, continues to get uh, comfortable with the life in the nhl I absolutely agree there. I think it's just easing him into the first month, trying to get him settled. Uh, I do think part of it, too, is Jake McCabe has been playing really well, Mm. paired up with uh, Rasmus Ristolainen. A little bit of a slump right now, uh, no points in his last four games, but prior to that kind of had a hot start to the season. So I think that obviously was a factor as well. Uh, I think the one surprising thing for me, and I don't think it's a bad thing, but Jack Eichel, uh, just four goals while 13 assists. uh, And it speaks to the players that he finally has around him. This is a guy that has pretty much been the sole goal scoring offensive uh, production for the, for the team has hit 20 goals each of the last three years. I think he'll do it again. No problem. I just find it interesting Uh, That for really the first time in his career, uh, the goal to assist numbers are are really skewed one way. uh, and, And I think it's a good thing for Buffalo. Yeah, and uh, Calgary was another team that we were thinking was a one-line club, but that second line has given uh, the the hot first line some insulation. But uh, let's talk about that top unit. We know about Sean Monaghan and Johnny Gaudreau, but they added Elias Lindholm to the mix here with that big off-season trade, and it's worked out great as Lindholm leads the team in goal scoring right now, and he's been a great fit on that top line. I was thinking that James Neal would be earmarked for that spot, AJ, at the beginning of the season. And uh, he's relegated to third line minutes, and things really haven't gelled for him in his transition from Vegas. And I wonder if he regrets that move at this point, uh, being in that third line role. So uh, there are some questions for me. And there was a clip of Neal. He's a pretty intense guy. He was kind of reaming out uh, the goalie Mike Smith the other night for a misplay during during a timeout where it was caught on TV. You don't often see that kind of emotion in between players on the ice unless it's Phil Kessel and Getty Malkin but uh, <laughs> it was kind of interesting to see James Neal go off on his goalie the other night maybe it's just a, a sense of his frustration one other note here Mark Giordano is again among the top D scorers if you were thinking that this guy was ready to fade and and fall from the top ranks in terms of defense scoring eight points in his last five games tells me the answer is no not yet for me, the situation with Neil isn't that surprising. Uh, he really has been dependent on who he can play with uh, a lot of times. And, and we saw this in Pittsburgh, uh, you know, firsthand, if he was playing, you know, he was kind of the, the Phil Kessel spot before the Penguins got Phil Kessel. Uh, would play with Malkin and do really well. They'd try to move him to a different line and really would struggle. He's just not a solid anchor. Uh, I am a little surprised that they are playing him ahead of Froelich. And honestly, based on what I've seen, at least from his skill set, I think that's a mistake. I just don't think he's well suited to anchor a third, a third line uh, or, or even a second line, to be honest. I, I just don't think he's got the skill set to be kind of the one guy on a line. I think he needs to play with better talent uh, and that gives him the opportunity to produce from there. And, and you said, you know, it has been 
a little bit more of a spread out uh, scoring for this team. And, and that's definitely something that we did not expect here. Uh, I thought for sure it would be Monaghan, Gaudreau, and then maybe to Chuck getting in there. That, that kid's really, really talented. But from there, I kind of expected a drop off. But that really hasn't been the case. In Carolina, this team is treading water. I think they're uh, they're uh, relying heavily on their defense, so I want to talk about that group uh, a little bit. Justin Falk has really turned it around, uh, AJ, with six points and a plus three rating. He's carried a big minus rating for the past three years, so something's working out in his favor. I'm going to say part of that credit should go to his new D partner, Calvin DeHaan, who was brought in from the Islanders in the offseason, though the latter is strictly a defensive D-man. He's really helped settle down... Uh, Falk's play in terms of being worried about the defensive side of the puck maybe as much as he should have been in the past and and really benefiting from that insulation that DeHaan provides so I think it's a chance for Falk's value to be a little bit higher than it has been in the past and you you can look for him as a credible source of offense better than the six points he's shown today I think more offense is coming from him but they have pretty good depth when you consider the likes of Hamilton, Slavin and Pesci to round out a nice foursome on that back end in terms of offensive possibilities they sh- the the collective though should be scoring more than they have today. I expect more from this blue line core, uh, though uh, the name brand recognition is not being met with the scoring totals right now. Well, and there's also concerns in the Nets right now. I mean, you've got Peter Mrazek dealing with an injury. Uh, Scott Darling is winless in his two games back from injury. Gave up three in each of those outings, and I think Curtis McElhenney, uh is honestly been their best netminder but they're not using him now with darling and mrazic both healthy i mean you look at mcelany three and one with a 2.76 goals against average uh to start the year but i i think they're just too invested uh in what they paid for scott darling what they paid for peter mrazic to to get those guys in the lineup uh and so i i have some serious concerns there i do think Right now, McElhenney is the best goalie on their team, uh, but I don't expect that really to hold. I think Scott Darling needs to get better or Peter Mrazek needs to get healthy. I would be shocked if all three of these guys are still in uh, the Carolina system, you know, within even a couple of weeks. Yeah, and that said, uh, AJ, a little note that for Leaf fans, I guess, uh, who might be aware of this, but uh, it's also a teaching point for our listeners because the Leafs lost him to waivers to Carolina, they would get first crack at picking him up if he was released. And as uh, people who follow the club know, they're relatively thin in terms of goaltending depth in the organization, and they hated to see him go. So I'll bet you if McElhenney is released from Carolina, the Leafs pick him up within five minutes of that uh, waiver uh, situation arising. Up next, well, Paul, Paul, real quick, though, this, the problem is they run into the same situation they had before. Uh, are they going to waive Garrett Sparks to move Sparks down? Because if they pick him up off waivers, they have to keep him up in the majors uh, and no, would have to that's the throw him on waivers. Actually, AJ, that's the difference. Just because the Leafs lost him, they get the chance to slide him back into the American Hockey League straight away without worrying about waivers. In effect, hmm. they have that unique opportunity because he was their property, and that's that's actually the point that I wanted to make to, to clarify any confusion there. He would be able to go straight back into the minors if the Leafs wanted him to as a Leaf property. They're the only team in that particular situation because it would be a player that was with them originally. So that's the point that I just wanted to make, a little bit of research that went into that on my part. Up next, we have some breaking news that you and I talked about, AJ. Uh, Fired coach uh, Quenville.
AHL in Chicago, replaced by Jeremy Colleton, their coach at Rockford in the AHL. This guy's only 33 years old, but he's carved himself a pretty nice rep. But uh, it's it's yeah, affords us the opportunity for a bit of a hockey eulogy for, for Joel Quenville. Nine years as a coach with the Blackhawks and three Stanley Cups, a winning percentage that's among the best for coaches who have play, uh, coached over 500 games. There will be no tag days for this guy. He he ran a tight ship in Chicago and took them to the summit uh, where they collected those three Stanley Cups. Uh, leaves behind a team that's in rebuild mode, AJ. So uh, it's a chance for, for Hawks fans to salute him for what he accomplished. But by no means should he be uh, painted with any kind of a negativity uh, with this decision. It's just time. It's just a rebuild in Chicago. And uh, tough times are ahead. And, and it's good that they went youthful here in my opinion in terms of what's going on on the ice Artem Anisimov is back in the second center role which he lost for long stretches of last year that means his fantasy value rises because he's between the likes of Patrick Kane and and Schmaltz there on that uh, pretty formidable looking second unit really when you think about it on the blue line they've separated stalwarts Seabrook and Keith again not playing together but both still producing at a 40 point clip that's speaks to spreading the wealth on the blue line and affording a couple of youngsters a chance to get their feet wet with some veterans there. In the nets, Corey Crawford is getting the lion's share of the goalie load once again, but boy, he's been very inconsistent in the early going with 14 goals allowed in his last three starts. I think they've got to get give him a nice uh, longer run to get settled and see if he can lower that, but uh, this team has quite a few holes, AJ, and that's one, one of the reasons why they made this change is that it's going to be a, a long road back and uh, maybe Coach Q is not the guy to lead them there well i think it'll be a very short uh time until uh we see coach quenville back on a on an nhl bench here i would imagine he'll get picked up pretty quickly um maybe not this season uh but next year uh assuming he wants to continue coaching obviously but i i would be shocked to see uh, if he's not behind the bench sooner rather than later in terms of the team and the lines i do think it's important to note uh that with a new coaching staff coming in it's all entirely fluid uh yes anisimov was playing the second line center role right now um, but that could certainly change uh, once the new regime takes over so it's definitely something that you're going to want to keep an eye on uh, if you're if you've got these guys in season long uh, daily as well you know how this the the change behind the bench shakes up the rest of the lines over in columbus this team is uh, treading water a little bit above 500 uh, they're leaning on that top line pierre luc dubois is emerging as a credible source of offense playing on that number one center role seven points in his last seven games played uh, he skates alongside Artemi Panarin. That's a key part. And you can't sleep on Cam Atkinson either, who has been a consistent scorer. So good value for uh, for those surrounding Panarin at the moment. The sidekick theory kicks in there. Anthony Duclair has surprised me with a very nice start in the right wing three slot, though his fantasy value will only resonate to our listeners if he can move up to uh, the top six currently uh, a position on the second line for instance held by Josh Anderson who leads the team with seven goals so uh, in the absence of forming a third scoring unit I think Anthony Duclair's value is somewhat suppressed even though he's had that nice start yeah I tend to agree with you there Paul I I think uh, you know he's trying to it seems like he's doing everything he can Mm -hmm. uh he does have eight points in 14 games so it's not terrible numbers but i think he's just a victim of getting moved around and and trying to do different things uh you know maybe if they can stay healthy for kind of an extended stretch here 
get some wins uh, under their belt. Maybe their lines kind of stabilize for a little bit. But until that happens, I think Duclair is going to end up being all over the lineup. It does speak well of his uh, versatility there. Um, but I think it doesn't bode well in terms of fantasy value, knowing exactly who he's going to play with, what his ice time is going to look at. It, it it just makes it really hard. And we've talked about a couple of one-line teams that are looking like that early on. Colorado is another one, really, with that top unit just firing in all cylinders. But behind them, on the blue line, I want to talk about Tyson Berry. He continues to roll along without much fanfare as he collected six points in his last four games played. This guy ranks among the top scoring defensemen in the league, but nobody really talks about him in that way too much. So a kind of a sneaky good value play in in fantasy, I think, when his name comes up the way the, the Avalanche are scoring these days. Uh, among the forwards, Colin Wilson is taking advantage of second line right wing minutes of late, collecting four points in his last two games. You want to see if he gets a run there and could increase his fantasy value. I also want to look at rookie left winger Sheldon Drees. He has three points in two games on that same second unit that has is trying to be a complement to that hot scoring top line. It's a key development here. This offense needs to shed that image of being a one, that one line team. And the way the second line is going right now, it certainly does help. I like Sheldon Dries in in daily contests in season long. I'm still uh, staying away from him because I think due to his ability to move uh, between levels, I think as soon as Yost and or Sven Andragetto are healthy, I, I would expect Dries to be back in the minors. So um, if you're in a deeper format where you can stash guys, I definitely think that's a, a good good player to look at there. Uh, I think what's interesting is the net mining situation here. You've got Philip Grubauer been okay of late although he gave up seven in an overtime loss to vancouver boy that was a fun game to watch mm-hmm. uh if you're not a fan of either of those teams <laughs> uh but then on the flip side Simeon varlamov has lost three straight and he has looked uh equally uh, as equally underwhelming there so uh it'll be interesting to see if one of these guys can separate themselves and really truly take over the number one spot there in Dallas, uh, their fans have to be thrilled. This team is well above the 500 mark, and uh, some surprises have emerged early on. We talked about uh, Jason Spezza last week. Devin Shore gets the limelight for me. He's emerged as a real scoring threat here with eight points in his last seven games, AJ, uh, thriving on the first left-wing line next to uh, one Tyler Sagan. The guy, I, the Stars have been able to split up Sagan and, and Jamie Benn, their top two guys, to spread the scoring depth, and it's worked out very well for the guys that are playing alongside them. The hope is, uh, in addition to the developments with with uh, Spezza and Shore, that one uh, Valery Nichushkin picks it up. He's playing uh, with only two points in, in eight games so far this, this season. And uh, if he falters, though, watch for Tyler Pitlick, who has three points in his last five games played to get that role. So things are still in flux and, and shaking out, but they have some options here where they might not have had some uh, too, long, too long ago. I'm actually a little surprised that splitting Ben and Sagan has worked as well to, as it has with Alexander Radulov being out of the lineup. He's played uh, in just one of their last eight games uh, due to some injury issues that he's dealing with. And so with him gone, I, I'm admittedly a little surprised that splitting those guys up worked. Um, I would have thought maybe you wanted to put them together. 
Uh, Brett Ritchie's dealing with an injury as well. Uh, the blue line is starting to get a little banged up for me. Now, Mark Mathot's not going to be a fantasy stud by any stretch of the imagination, but he certainly provides the team with solid defensive uh, look on that back end. You've got Connor Carrick uh, out. Stefan Johns has been out all season long. And so they've been really able to, to battle through these blue line injuries they've had, a couple forward injuries as well. And a lot of that speaks to the guys between the net and Ben Bishop and Anton Kudobin, who have both been having uh, pretty decent starts to the year. So um, kudos to them for kind of hanging on in, in these situations. This team gets totally healthy. Uh, it'll be even that much more dangerous. And AJ, you don't have to be a hockey insider to know that the Red Wings were in for a tough year. They're 4-8-2 and two so far this season, but uh, some bright lights are emerging for me in terms of the younger guys here that have to step up and, and lead to uh, a revival of fortune, a reversal of fortunes here. Anthony Mantha at the top of that list for me finally recorded his first two goals of the season last week, playing on a line with Dylan Larkin, who is the signature player on this offense right now. On defense, rookie Dennis Chalowski has been a surprise contributor with eight points in his 12 games played he the kid's been logging over 20 minutes per game AJ is surprised to me that they've thrown that much time at him but he's rewarded them with the scoring a veteran Mike Green has played the last five games and collected three points that's what this guy's all about scoring from uh, from his uh, defense position but he gives up as much as he gets uh, the mi- the plus minus rating won't be a favorable one I don't think over the season here for him yeah, I have to wonder if the ice time for Cholo Whiskey is, is about to drop. They did switch up their lines a little bit. He had been playing with Green uh, the last few days, but now uh, Trevor Daly is going to move into that spot, and Cholo Whiskey is going to play with uh, Nicholas Cronwall. So I'm I'm hesitant that maybe the, that ice time number is going to drop a little bit for him. Um, but still, uh, to your point, he has played – a a big role early on in the season. Another player who's kind of uh, starting to turn it on a little bit, Michael Rasmussen, the 19 year old has three points in his last three games. Uh, seems to have settled into a second line role. Uh, I think part of his slow start to the season was due to the fact that he was playing bottom six minutes Uh, and they've moved him around a little bit, which is tough on any player. They've played him in his natural center position. They moved him to the wing as well. Um, But if he can really kind of dial in on one spot in a top six role, I think he can continue to put up some solid numbers this season. AJ over in Edmonton, Edmonton, they have to be happy with a a pretty impressive start I'll say puts them near the top of the division for a change Alex Chason has caught fire with six goals in his last seven games before last night's action meshing well in a second line with uh, Leon Dreisaitl Uh, Drake Kajula has looked great on uh, Connor McDavid's right wing on the top line with five goals in his last five games too so uh, switching up the offensive mix and putting in these pieces there have been some surprise contributors 30 year old Miko Koskinen is a surprise in goal winning his three starts so far this year he's going to push cam talbot for a greater goaltending share as long as he keeps that up and i'm going to suggest to you that that's a good thing for the oilers that uh, a little bit of pressure taken off of cam talbot who really uh, before the season i thought the, this team's fortunes were really linked to his performance but if koskinen can provide this level of support that's only going to help this team in total i think yeah i agree and honestly if if 
trends continue, I think Koskinen has a chance to take over uh, that number one spot. Now, that would have been ridiculous to say two years ago when Talbot started 73 games. But after a bad last season, if he hits another slump this year, uh, this is not a team that has the luxury of patience. When you've got Connor McDavid, the best, arguably the best player in the world, uh, you know, you have to win games and you have to make the playoffs. The fan base, uh, the the team brass, the ownership is just not going to tolerate anything less. And so I think that puts Cam Talbot on notice and really on a very short leash. In Florida, this is a team that I expect to be better than a 3-5-3 and three mark before last night's action. Frankie Vitrano's stock, though, is on the rise here since he's collected four goals in 10 games. He's been a streaky scorer in the past, but right now he's in a right-wing two spot on the second line, and uh, they need that second line to kick in. Uh, he'll be a big part of it if he continues to score at this pace. Jared McCann, a winger who's played plenty of top six minutes in the past, is out of the lineup, likely for a short term, creating the opportunity for Vitrano. So it'll be interesting to see who gets that that position longer term when uh, they're healthy. The big development here, though, is the return in goal of Roberto Luongo. He allowed only two goals against in a nice win over Winnipeg uh, across the pond in Finland. He should get a run of games uh, to re- reclaim the goalie one role moving forward, and of course that means that uh, James Reimer owners will take a bit of a hit, but he wasn't playing that well anyway, so he might need a bit of a reprieve to get his game in order again. I think for me, the the struggles start and stop with with Alexander Barkov. I think he's a player that needs to produce on a more consistent basis, and it it just hasn't been the case. Uh, And I would put Nick Bukestad in in that column as well. Um, Now, Barkov has seemed to be doing a little bit better of late, but uh, I just overall... He's never really, I felt, produced to the level that I would have expected for a player that needs to be a leader on on the team. Now, he's got some assists recently, but he's goalless in seven straight games. Uh, and that's just not good enough to be perfectly blunt about it. If you're going to be the top line center, arguably second line center, if you flip uh, his line and Trocek's line, um, they're basically interchangeable. But those guys need to be better. And I think it's uh, it's the bigger issue with the team even though there have been some struggles in net. Uh, but overall, I think the forward complement needs to be better. In uh, Los Angeles, we were talking about the second goal t- coaching change of, uh, in Chicago, but the first one came earlier in the week with John Stevens losing his job. Willie Jajard, an experienced NHL uh, coach, is back in the fold replacing him. The big problem on the ice here, though, is that Jonathan Quick in net suffered a knee injury. That's going to keep him out long-term here, and... Uh, puts a kibosh on my expectations for for the Kings to have a big year I don't think they can do it with the quality of goaltending that remains on this roster uh, that is a slight against the two guys that are in there now Budai and Campbell they're nowhere near what Jonathan Quick means to this team so the, the value play on this roster though apart from the goaltending situation looks to be Alex Iafalo right now on the first line left wing the kids got eight points in 13 games played he was a guy, a guy who had top six minutes from time to time last year he's getting a good run there of late and uh, also getting some power play time so a pretty sneaky good value play if you're looking at the Kings roster right now on the blue line they've split up the longtime partnership of Muzzin and Doughty again to spread the wealth on the on the defense they need to insulate their weakened goaltending situation and this is one way that they can do it all right so I'm going to make a bold kind of prediction here uh, that uh, for this team looking into the future that I think they'll benefit from uh, as odd as it sounds quick being sidelined. So mm-hmm. uh, Jack Campbell, 
going to get a little bit, a lot of ice time here. They pretty much came out and said Peter Buda is the backup. Jack Campbell's the starter until Quick is ready. Uh, it looks like everything's trending towards an expansion draft coming uh, in another year or two here. And so potentially, do they uh, use Campbell kind of exclusively, see what they got there if he performs well at 26 years old? Uh, 27 28 by the time the expansion draft he becomes the goaltender of the future for the kings and jonathan quick is exposed to uh, the expansion draft and potentially heads to seattle that's going to be my bold call i know it's early obviously that that depends on campbell doing enough to show that uh, he can be a number one netminder but uh, i don't think it's all doom and gloom obviously you'd rather have jonathan quick in the lineup I'm, i'm not suggesting by any means that there's that but for kings fans out there maybe there's a silver lining here well that's a hot take that reminds me of what the penguins had to do a couple of years ago sending away your favorite goalie mark andre Fleury, to the las vegas situation and really a team in seattle would look long and hard at the opportunity to snap up a guy like jonathan quick so good on you for coming up with that one i have not heard that anywhere so if it comes to pass you're going to get all the credit in the world from me partner <laughs> in minnesota i'm a little surprised that eric stahl continues to score consistently as the as the burst certificate continues to add up some mileage in the in the mid to late 30s on his case but uh, he's still firing while his running mate Miko Koivu though another guy in the plus 30 crowd is well off his normal pace with only six points in 13 games played he'll have to ramp it up if Minnesota's to continue their hot start over the long haul uh, I want to point out on the wing Mikael Grandland is wheeling the hot stick here with nine points in his last seven games he's been a consistent scorer for this club in fact the leading scorer for this club for much of the last two or three years so no surprise there uh, so but he's over overshadowed by a few other other guys that we've talked about in recent weeks speaking of being being overshadowed i also wanted to highlight on the back end jared spurgeon has been a consistent point producer on the defense here and he's on a tear with four points in his last six games played too so don't sleep on him and don't sleep on grandland if you're looking for value plays in minnesota's roster right now yeah i'll throw another value play out there jordan greenway uh, right now looking like he's going to play the top line with eric stall and charlie coyle uh, he got sent down to the minors for, for, uh, I think it was two games. They had him play down there since coming back. He's got a goal and two assists in his last three games. And clearly they want to see what he can offer, uh, on that, that top line there, uh, is a big, big body guy, six, six. So he'll add a little bit of physicality to that stall coil line as well. And then I, I think Devin Dubnik from what we've seen from him, six and two, Uh, And two to start the year has played 10 games already. I would not be surprised to see Devin Dubnik lead the NHL in games played this season. I think they're going to ride him heavily uh, throughout the rest of the season, even though I do think uh, they should be happy in what they have in Alex Stalock. He's looked solid in his relief appearances, uh, but expect Dubnik to be right up there, if not at the top of the games played category. And uh, speaking of surprise teams, you have to count Montreal among them. The solid play of Max Domia at a point-per-game pace for through 14 games played now has allowed the club to bring uh, rookie Jesperi Kotkanimi along slowly. That youngster paid his first big dividend with a two-goal effort versus the Caps last week in a game that I watched, and he looked really good. The youngster is well-protected in a third-line role next to the physicality provided by one Joel Armia, who's chipped in with seven points, too, including the winner their last 
last time out. The Habs will be without uh, another winger, Paul Byron, uh, who's out with a lower body injury this week. You wonder if that will result in a bit of a roster shuffle because Byron is one of the guys they count on for offense as well. Yeah, I think this team is starting uh, is actually starting to get even better, which uh, to your point, they've been good to start the season. Uh, but you've got Arturi Lekanim finally found the back of the net uh, against the Islanders in their most recent outing. Now, prior to that, he had five assists in, in nine games. So uh, that gives him six and ten on the year total in terms of points. He's playing a third line role, but could shuffle in uh, in, in some of those top six options. Uh, but this is a surprisingly deep team. Uh, I don't even hate the fourth line of, of uh, Dolores, Pekka, and Shaw. I think they could be, uh, they're going to be more of a, a defensive checking line, but don't sleep on these guys. I think all of them have the ability to to get, you know, kind of dirty goals in front of the net and can be a solid uh, addition to the squad as well. They're surprisingly deeper than than I think I I know I thought. I, I'm sure a lot of people didn't expect this out of them either. Yeah, I'm in that camp too. We'll see if they can hold on to that uh, trend long term. In Nashville, this is a team that's not surprising us with their strong start. They're 11-3 and before yesterday's action. Kyle Torres has turned up the heat in a second line role of five points in his last five games to anchor that second scoring line. Big development here. Kevin Viala has lost his spot as a top swing, six winger with only five points to show in 14 games played. They need him to get back on, on pace for what they expect from him in a big way. We told you about their top four defensemen being unparalleled in the league. Well, each of them has already got eight points in the bank, at least eight points in the bank, and a solid plus rating. They're as good as advertised, and in a week where Pekka Rene signed a two-year extension, we think that he's sleeping very well these days. Yeah, I was surprised uh, that they got Rene, honestly, for a bit of a discount, considering I know he's, you know, a little bit older, um, but at $10 million over the next two years, that that's kind of a steal for a netminder of his caliber. Uh, and I think it speaks to the tools around them. I think this is a guy that wants to win a Stanley Cup, and I think he wants to do it in Nashville. And so he's willing uh, to take you know, that that represents a pay cut for him. Honestly, he's making seven million this year. He'll only make five million the next two. Um, but I think it's it, it says a lot about wanting to win. The bigger concern uh, overall, Victor Arvidsson has found himself on injured reserve. He's missed the last two games. But prior to that was on a five game point streak. He's got 13 uh, or 12 rather through the first 12 games. My math failed me there. Uh, so point per game pace right now, getting him back as quick as possible is definitely uh, going to be needed if this team wants to continue their hot start. Well, speaking of uh, teams that have turned things around better than I thought, New Jersey's one of them, and they certainly put another loss in the in the Penguins' home ice column last night with an impressive victory. Miles Wood has only five points in 11 games here, but he's getting more work on a second scoring line and more power play time, so I'm thinking there's going to be an uptick in his scoring in the next Next little while. I expect more also from a healthy Marcus Johansson than a mere four points to date. It's worth keeping an eye on that situation because he's another guy who gets power play minutes too. So even though they're just a game over 500, I think there's more upward mobility here. On the blue line, Marco Miller's already notched five assists in 11 games played, partnered with Sammy Vatnan. Of course, Vatnan is the guy that carries the flag from the blue line in terms of scoring. So anybody that's associated with him that has a bit of an offensive pedigree like Miller's showing might be worth a look as well in fantasy play yeah i think the minute that jasper bratt gets final medical clearance to return to the lineup you're going to see miles wood drop uh to to a third line 
uh, role there. They're just kind of waiting. And think about that. Uh, a top line of Hall, Heischer, and Palmieri, followed by Johansson, Zajac, and Brad. Uh, that's a dangerous one-two punch for this team. Uh, and honestly, we have to continue to talk and monitor the goaltending situation. Uh, is it going to be Schneider? Is it going to be Kincaid on a night-to-night basis? They have the back-to-back right now, so uh, that's kind of why they split it up here. And they are still carrying Eddie Lack. Uh, I, I have to wonder uh, if something comes up in terms of an injury here, if Lack doesn't find himself traded uh, away to another club or, or possibly one of the other guys. But I think Lack's probably the favorite to to be shipped off here the new york islanders another surprise team so far this year four games over 500 Uh, brock nelson's collected six goals in his last seven games though as a center i didn't like seeing only two assists so far on his ledger i'd like to see him be more of a playmaker as well i've got a lot a lot of time for a guy like a jordan eberly the veteran who's on a nice streak of his own with five points in his last six games while in the right wing two slot sophomore matthew barzal though has only one goal and collected seven assists even though he's collected seven assists in his last eight games not the profile that you want to see here i want to see him scoring more goals uh, as well as setting them up the Islanders staff has to be pleased pleased though with uh, Andrew Ladd's uh, rebound so far this season six points in his first 10 games played it's his best start in three years on Long Island for a guy who carries a a massive 5.5 million dollar cap hit over the next four years I was thinking that would be dead money but if he can contribute at this rate at least they got to be somewhat pleased well, and I think last week we talked about uh, how Robin Lerner appeared to have taken over as the, the number one here. Well, Thomas Grice is saying, hold on, don't forget about <laughs> me. I'm, I'm still factoring in. Uh, he uh, is 3-0-1 uh, in his last four starts. Uh, made a relief appearance in there as well a 1.56 goals against average in those last five games so he's looking really good right now Uh, I would expect this to be a situation where Grice will play until he has a bad game and then Lerner will come in and he'll play it until he has a bad game and they'll go back and forth with those guys riding the hot hand pretty much the rest of the way and in New York with the Rangers I thought this team would be challenging Detroit for one of the worst records in hockey but they're almost at 500, AJ. It's a team that's looking for leadership, though, and I think Chris Kreider is stepping up with a spike in his goal scoring of late. His shots on goal is up, and his power play time is up as well. Jimmy Vesey is another young forward who's pull it, putting up some solid numbers, too. The best in his career for goals and shots on goal rate as well. So there's two guys taking advantage of opportunity provided. Uh, for his part, Vesey's locked up into a top six role on left wing here too which is good news on the blue line i like neil pionk a lot and uh, brady shea has, has clearly passed Ke- kevin shattenkirk as well in terms of d men and whom the coaching staff has faith in to drive this offense but shattenkirk is a real concern here carries the big ticket and really not delivering the goods this year well, and you almost wonder if he's going to find himself benched again when Fred, uh, Frederick Clayson gets healthy. Uh, I certainly don't think that's outside the realm of possibility. Uh, and, and to speak to more injuries, you've got Ryan Spooner banged up, Brett Howden. Uh, they're kind of, uh, you know, uh, breakout uh, rookie who's got nine points, uh, you know, through the, the first uh, 14 games here. Uh, is dealing with an injury. They might get Boone uh, Nives back here pretty quick, but 
a lot of question marks in terms of injuries. They did call up Elias Anderson, who's their like long-term highly touted prospect. I know Rangers fans out there have been chopping at the bit to see this guy play significantly more time. He saw seven games last season. Uh, we'll see if he can make an impact this time around and, and hold on to a spot on the 23 man roster in Ottawa. They we'll talk about them in the rant of the week a little bit later. But uh, on the ice, they're five, six, and three. Bobby Ryan scored three goals in his last five games to shrug off a poor start. Uh, the Sens have moved Tom Pyatt up to a left wing two spot in an effort to get this veteran onto the score sheet after shooting blanks for four, through 14 games. He's got to be better than that. Otherwise, he's going to be relegated to fourth line duty before too long. So keep an eye on that situation. On the plus side, they're generating a lot of offense through their defense and four rear guards each have at least five points. That's a big surprise to me. But maybe uh, Thomas Shabbat is not as big a surprise in that I thought he could be a signature guy on the blue line. Didn't expect him to be 17 points in 14 games but this guy's got lots of offensive skill and he's really showing it right now well one guy who's not showing his offensive skill right now is Matt Duchesne uh and and slumps happen for for pretty much everybody except maybe Connor McDavid but uh Mm -hmm. you know Duchesne's got just one assist no goals in his last four games and that's not the bigger concern to me what is a concern is you look at his shots on goal in those four games and he's got just four shots on goal in that stretch I mean they played he played 21 minutes against Buffalo he did pick up an assist in that game that's the only one he had any points but he didn't put a single shot on net and that included over four minutes of ice time on the power play uh you've got to put pucks on the net especially when you're slumping uh that's the ideal time with with the goalless streak carrying on i'd want to see his shots on goal five six something outrageous just throw it in there hopefully it takes a bounce and that'll be what you need to turn it around so hopefully matt duchene can figure it out and start putting uh some pucks you know test the netminder here or there and see what happens you know what aj that's a great point for a fan our fantasy hockey players uh, keep an eye on the shot on shots on goal rate i certainly do to see how how effective uh, players are in terms of getting involved in scoring plays and and a great point by you to highlight a guy who gets lots of minutes in Ottawa and really not delivering uh, at all right now so a definite fade if you're looking at fantasy play until he gets his act together in terms of Philadelphia this is a team that's right at the 500 mark 7-7 and 1 Brian Elliott won two starts last week allowing only a total of four goals but he missed his last game again with an undisclosed injury so once again the goalie carousel spins and it leaves Calvin Pickard and Alex Lee Lion as the current goalie tandem. That's a very uninspiring pairing for me, and I would fade both of them right now. Uh, in terms of uh, the skaters, sophomore winger Oscar Lindblom has already collected seven points. That's one more than he did in 23 games played last year. So expect him to get a bit of a longer look in terms of scoring line opportunity if he keeps that up. But I'm still in a quandary, AJ. I don't get why Wayne Simmons is relegated to a third line role. He's got seven points in 14 games played. And every time I see this guy play, it's with high energy, physicality. He's a presence around the net. And uh, the goal scoring rate tells you right now that he deserves a better look than than a third line role, in my opinion. I mean, it has to be intended to spread out the scoring a little bit. That's the only thing that makes sense. You know, I talked about lack of shots with Duchesne. Uh, You look at Wayne Simmons, his last four games, he's got 15 shots on goal. Uh, So definitely a guy that's willing to throw the puck at the net. And I, I do think it has to be, you know, to spread that out a little bit. Uh, you know, I, 
the other issue could be the fact that I'm right wing. I, I feel like they're kind of set. Like you're not going to put him in over Travis Konechny and probably not even over Jacob Voracek. So then are you asking one of those guys to move over? And, and really Claude Giroux not coming out of the lineup. So then you're looking at Wayne Simmons versus Oscar Limbaum is really kind of how that falls, falls into, you know, place there. And so it could just be how deep they are right now as a team. And, and I just don't see a good spot there for him to get top six minutes. Uh, and so it might be a matter of having to play the third line more. And maybe that's what they do instead uh, of actually moving in into the second line, just playing that third line a little more. And uh, last week I was singing the praises of your club, AJ, and I did prep you. I didn't want you to come at me through the through the screen here. <laughs> I, I see some holes that I'm a little bit concerned. I wonder if you share those concerns. Matt Murray, after last night's game, has uh, given up 15 goals in his last four starts and has a 387 goals against in nine outings so far this year. Uh, the Pens also have touted Ole Matta uh, as an old offensive talent on the blue line, yet he only picked up his fourth point and uh, has a very low shot total in, ele- in 12 games played, less than a shot on goal per game both of these trends are uh, headed toward career lows and that's not good news for a blue line that is relying on a healthy Chris Letang Jack Johnson was viewed as a key off season signing to mitigate the circumstance on the blue line but even he's a minus seven and only two points in 12 games uh, so far this season before last night's action well, so I'll start with Olimata here. Uh, I agree off to a very slow start to the point where they almost considered benching him, uh, you know, to, to make him uh, kind of figure out his game. But you look at the last six games and that's when all four of those assists have come. Uh, and so starting to produce a little bit more, you mentioned shots on goal. He's got nine in those last six, had uh, only one shot on goal in those first four games when he was playing really bad. So uh, that that is something that seems to be turning around a little bit. Uh, Jack Johnson, I share the opinion of coach Mike Sullivan that Johnson, uh, his plus minus is deceptive. He was as they said, on the ice for all five goals against Edmonton in that one game. Uh, But the coaching staff said that, and I agree that he wasn't responsible for any of those goals. So I'm not as concerned about the defense. Uh, Matt Murray is the concern here. And and I don't know what the issue is or how uh, to get him out of it. What isn't going to help is having only Casey DeSmith behind him. That's not a guy that's going to challenge him for minutes. When you look at when Murray's been at his absolute best, He's, he was competing with Marc-Andre Fleury for starts. And so I think the the Penguins need to consider trying to bring somebody in who can challenge Matt Murray for some starts or potentially take over. I mean, it, it it's gotten to the point where Murray just has not been good enough and maybe he needs to be benched for a few games and sit behind somebody, you know, hey, what is Vegas up to? Maybe are they willing to give us Marc-Andre back? Uh, <laughs> I find that highly unlikely, but... Um, and I, I don't love a lot of the options that are out there as potential replacements, but, uh, one guy that I have mentioned in the past is Al Montoya is playing in the minors right now. He's a veteran guy that maybe could push Murray could maybe even help, uh, off the ice in the locker room and, and, and add his experience to Matt Murray. It's definitely not Casey DeSmith is not the answer for, for helping getting Murray back on track. In San Jose, their offense is being led by a torrid unit that's leading the league right now. The last two weeks, nobody scored more than Logan Couture, Timo Meyer, and Thomas Hurdle. 
uh, over the past two weeks, though, though there is some mild concern with the head injury that Hurdle suffered on Saturday night. I didn't see the play, but anytime you talk about a head injury, you have to wait for uh, a good diagnosis and to see where where uh, where his uh, playing time might reside in terms of being healthy or not for the next little while. So keep an eye on that circumstance. The Sharks also have to feel good about the fact that Jumbo Joe Thornton notched his first goal and uh, has two points in his first get five games played this season. They're very thin at center and need the big guy to produce because after that it gets really thin really fast and, and you're looking at maybe shifting Joe Pavelski back to the center role and he hasn't exactly lit it up this year too. So the record is good right now. But I'm telling you, they're doing a high-wire act uh, at the moment, and they need more production from one Eric Carlson on the blue line. He's not really lit it up right now to be uh, uh, the, the lightning rod for some positivity there that I expected him to be. Yeah, I find it very interesting. I think we all kind of thought, okay, Carlson comes in, burns his numbers, will drop a little. Uh, Carlson might not reach the same kind of levels that he has in the past just because they'd be sharing minutes, sharing the responsibility. That has not been the case at all. Brent Burns is actually ahead of a point-per-game pace right now, uh, which would be uh, a career high for him. Uh, he's come decently close, but never actually averaged a point per game through a full season, uh, while Carlson's numbers have been really, really low. Uh, and for everything they gave up to bring him in, that's, that's just not good enough to be to be blunt about it again. In St. Louis, this is a team that I thought would be much better than uh, a sub 500 club at this point. And uh, the four, five, and three record through 12 games, not what anybody expected. Braden Shen is sidelined. That has to hurt a little bit. The, the Blues are turning in a, in a surprise move to one Robert Thomas. He only had three assists in eight games to replace him in a top six role. That should be a good spot for him to break out, though, if he if he takes advantage. He's playing with the likes of Robbie Fabry and David Perron, two speedsters here. For his part, though, Fabry appeared sparingly in two games last week, uh, getting an, a late start to his season due to injury issues. Collecting a point, uh, though, in that regard, he should be ready to take on a heavier workload now that he's got a couple of games under his belt. So look for that second unit to uh, hopefully spell the first one as well. Uh, Jake Allen really struggling in the Nets uh, of late. Another veteran who's really had a tough time between the pipes. 20 goals against in his last five starts. That's nowhere near good enough. And behind this lineup and the depth that they have on the blue line, he's got to be better than this, and he's got to be better real soon. I think they need to look at Chad Johnson a, a little more frequently. Uh, his his numbers don't immediately jump off the page at you. 0-2 in his two outings. Um, but gave up, you know, three goals in a, in a game. It obviously isn't great, um, but it, it's not the worst thing that that a net miner can do. You would hope that your offense could do a little bit better. Uh, and I expect I love Robbie Fabry. I really am looking forward to seeing him actually play some hockey this year. But I do think it's going to take a little while. This isn't a guy that's just back from a preseason injury. This guy lost all of last season uh, and missed almost 21 months of action uh, due to some knee injuries. So it's going to take him a little bit here. Um, if, if you've been stashing him, if you stuck through it this long, uh, now is kind of the time. You, you obviously have patience at that point. You might need another week or two uh, to really make sure that he's going to be back to the player that he was before he got hurt. Boy, like Nashville in the West, uh, Tampa in the East really rolling along despite any hardships that might arise. They just continue to churn out win after win. Victor Hedman has been out of lineup for a while. They expect him to rejoin the group this week, maybe even tonight. He's a must-start as soon as he gets back in there. So keep an eye on the, on the transaction wires and uh, on, on rotor wires 
great work that we do in terms of keeping the roster information up to date. Uh, as soon as he's ready, you got to get him in there. In his absence, though, Ryan McDonough has recorded a pair of three-point nights over the last five games. And similarly, Anton Strahlman has chipped in with four helpers in his last two games. So they're getting good scoring support from that defense position. If you want to find something to complain about on this roster, I suggest that Andre Palat is a possible target with only five points, all assists in nine games played. This is a guy that's been in, the, in line for top six minutes in the past. He's injured right now, and that absence has created an opportunity for Matthew Joseph. And guess what? He scored his first NHL goal with that opportunity. So we've told you over and over, there's no real serious concerns here in Tampa. Yeah, and the first line is going to get all the attention. Kucherov, Stamkos, uh, and JT Miller. Uh, But that second line has been uh, honestly more uh, potent of late. You look at their, their percentage of goals scored on the team. Point, Gord, and Johnson combined for 38% of all of the goals scored by this team right now through the start of the season. Uh, I love all those guys. Uh, obviously, for, for season long, they're, they're going to be top six guys. I don't really see anybody challenging them uh, unless one of them hits a pretty extended slump. In daily, you're looking at a much, much cheaper option than Kucherov and Stamkos. Uh, and and you're going to get similar if honestly if not better uh, production as of late and with the Leafs uh, there's no truth to the rumor AJ that they're going to play the rest of the schedule on the road after a six straight win away from home <laughs> on the weekend uh, that's the last reference to that game I, I'll make on today's show I promise but I, I am wearing a Leafs I don't believe you to celebrate <laughs> uh, on the blue line here Morgan Riley has 18 points already in the bank to lead all scorers on the defense and man I've got a lot of time for him this guy's captain material I mean people talk about uh, Tavares and Matthews I'm going to say Morgan Riley has to be in the mix just for the way he plays the game and uh, the way he carries himself and uh, I'm, I'm thrilled that he's ha- off to the great start looking for all the world like a true uh, number one defenseman uh, I don't think the Leafs have to look very far to find one I think they've got one Kasperi Kapanen is a guy who's taken full advantage of an unexpected top six opportunity with Willie Nylander's continued absence he's got 12 points in 14 games played and looking like he can keep that up as long as he He's in that role, so a pretty nice fill-in opportunity for him that he's taken full advantage. Don't be fooled by uh, Freddie Anderson's uh, seven and five one-loss mark. He has a 2.28 goals against average and a 9.24 save percentage. These are both dramatic improvements over the starts in his first two years in Toronto. And I'll remind our listeners that he really took off in both Novembers of the last two seasons. So I think we could be in for a really special year with the goaltender of the Maple Leafs carrying the load here and on his way to a career season. Well, and the other thing I'll point out, you look at their last, uh, you know, last couple of games here, uh, and you mentioned, you know, the home away thing with Freddie Anderson. Uh, In their last nine games, excuse me, in their last 10 games, he played nine of them. His away record, 4-0, a 1.76 goals against average, one in four at home, but that goals against average is still 2.06. So that speaks way more to the offense not being able to produce at home than it does to any sort of struggles by Freddie Anderson. I think he can, he has continued to be solid. Uh, and, and the bigger question mark for those those home games is the offense, not the net mining. In Vancouver, this is a team that is uh, way better than I thought they would be so far this year. Nine and six is the record. Anders Nilsson missed game action last week and remained sidelined by a finger injury. That means uh, Jakob Markstrom, who won three despite allowing 15 goals against, has a chance 
to uh, get a, a heavier workload going forward and put more wins in the bank there. In terms of the skaters, Troy Stetcher stepped up with Tanev and Edler out on the blue line. He's collected four points in his last seven games played with a heavier workload, so he might be an interesting fantasy value play. Keep an eye also on Brock Besser's status as the first line winger is day-to-day with a groin injury. That may afford one Louis Erickson a chance to get out of the doghouse, but he struggled mightily at the start of this season. No, you got to look at the veteran to be a in when they have injuries of that nature up front i mean this team will live and die by elias Pettersson this year uh it, it's just the, the nature of their makeup now they do have some decent options you know throughout the the lineup you mentioned besser uh i i am partial to to adam Gaudet. i think uh he offers some sneaky value and, and hopefully will start to get better and better sven berchi is on ir right now but when he's healthy he's a factor as well but I think how far this team goes this season will 100% depend on Elias Pettersson. Now, uh, Nilsson and Markstrom have both uh, been battling for that number one job and both doing it well. Uh, and we'll see how that uh, continues to split once Nilsson comes back. But uh, for me, it starts in south with Elias Pettersson. And uh, the Las Vegas Golden Knights, uh, they're 6-7-1. and one. Uh, That's not a great record for a team that was uh, in the Stanley Cup final last year. An offense that's missing Max Pacioretty and Paul Stastny has scored only 33 goals in 14 games played. That's where it begins and ends with me in terms of the troubles that this team is facing. Though good news is on the horizon as Pacioretty may even suit up for them tonight. So keep an eye on that circumstance because he always plays well against the Maple Leafs too. In the Nets, Marc-Andre Fleury fans won't like hearing that his save percentage at 901 and his goals against at 251 are significantly less impressive than they were last season in what amounts to almost a career best campaign in recent years. A healthy roster will certainly improve that outlook as well as the overall team. But they weathered worse issues last year in terms of injury problems. So I think that uh, they have regressed a little bit and we may see that continue for a little bit. Yeah, I just don't think that they're the same team. You know, they tried to replace some of their pieces. Um, Perron and Neil being the two biggest ones, I think, that they lost, you know, with Stastny and Pacioretty. Um, But they're just not the same players. Now, obviously, Stastny hasn't played at all, so that's certainly a factor uh, for them. Once they get him back, uh, could be a sign of improvement there. But overall, I just don't think this team is better than last year's team, uh, you know, just from a sheer makeup. Uh, I'm, I'm optimistic that they'll turn it around. I think they're still a playoff team uh, and they'll still factor in in the postseason. Well, and one team that's going to factor in is the defending champs. Uh, Washington Capitals, 6-4-3 and three is the record. Offensively, they're getting a good uh, contribution from Dmitry Jaskin, a surprise addition to the top line at right wing, and that makes him instantly relevant in fantasy play, doesn't it? Playing alongside that Ovechkin guy. Uh, one assist and a seven-minute spike in his playing time in the last game. Uh, that's that's indicative of the increase in, uh, in his uh, rotation uh, in, and possible scoring opportunities up front so take a look at Jaskin if you got a chance to fit him into your lineup tonight or in upcoming games as long as he gets that role similar situation arises for Chandler Stevenson slated to be a left wing two on a second line that features Baxter and Oshie two pretty good veterans in their own right so they're insulating youngsters uh, with some pretty good players on that top two lines and uh, that's where the value is in this roster in the nets Braden Holtby continues to struggle though allowing nine goals against and two starts last week to to continue a really weird start to the season for him a guy that they've they've used a lot in the past so maybe they look their back up to spell him and uh, to push him a little bit going forward 
Yeah, and they did. They used Phoenix Copley last night. Uh, he stopped 31 of 30, uh, 31 of 33 shots in a win over Edmonton, uh, which is, a, is an impressive in its own right. They've used Copley very sparingly to start the season, um, but when he has gotten a look, he's 2-1-1. One, one. So I think maybe uh, this is an opportunity for him to take on a workload similar to what uh, Philip Grubauer uh, saw last season, and I think that would be best ultimately for Brain Hopi. You know, it was a year where they uh, rested Hopi more than any other and uh, look at the end result. So that's obviously the formula for success there. So hopefully Copley can come along uh, and, and really give Holby uh, those nights off that he needs. And we round out our look through the NHL, up, as usual, with a look at the Winnipeg Jets. They're 8-5-1. A two-game trip to Finland to face off against Florida was certainly the tonic that awoke Patrick Laine, who had a bit of a tough start to his season. He got four goals on that trip. Nikolai Ehlers also snapped out of an early season funk with two goals in the last five games. They need these guys to be scoring at a rate that we're used to seeing them to keep them at this level, though. They're a team that's also loaded with talent, a lot of talented big men, but one player who seems to fit that bill was added last year, and that's Dmitry Kulikov. The Jets are now using this guy as the seventh D-man. He carries a cap hit of $4.3 million this year and next. That looks like a big miss right now, partner, as he's delivered... Uh, one assist in only five games played this season oh yeah absolutely uh kulikov has dealt with injuries that have sidelined him he's been a healthy scratch uh, a handful of times and, and really i think just hasn't worked out the way they thought he would uh for me the bigger concern is, is the net mind and connor hellybuck has kind of gone back to being that inconsistent net uh, goalie that he was two years ago uh through his first 14 games He's got five of those in which he's given up four or more goals uh, in the game. And it's just been really, really up and down and inconsistent. You know, he's also got three games in which he's given up one uh, or fewer goals. And so I think they need to get him uh, in a more consistent kind of level, uh, you know, playing uh, for for the future. If they're going to get back to being as good as they were last year. Laurent Brossois, I think, could be an option to maybe factor in here uh, and, and maybe kind of shake things up a little bit and get Hellyback uh, back to where he needs to be. And now it's time for our FanDuel segment. We want to talk about the fact that two and a half million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. AJ and I are among that list. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, we invite you to sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. These contests are void where... Pro, uh, prohibited of course so keep an eye on that in your own uh, locales we have a nine game schedule tonight aj some interesting uh, matchups i wonder which game might catch your attention more than the others uh i'm, I'm looking at edmonton tampa bay i think yeah. it's a clash of clash of titans here in this uh contest and to see how how all that shakes out and obviously uh the other one too vegas at toronto i think is going to be a good game uh, i imagine that uh, you'll see that one up close and personal uh, <laughs> say hi to my say hi to my buddy mark andre when when you when you get there <laughs> well actually i am not i sold that game aj so smart move <laughs> i'm not gonna be at that one tonight i have another commitment but i'll have my phone nearby for updates in terms of matchups that i'm looking at i talked we talked about dubnik 
and the San Jose goaltending situation there too. So I'm curious to see which of these veteran guys uh, comes out on top. You could certainly make the case for the visitor, but I'm taking the home guy, I'm gonna, I think, in this particular matchup. So Jones is my guy this evening in the Nets uh, in that particular <coughs> one, but it's going to catch my attention later on. Of course, I love the call on Edmonton-Tampa Bay. That's a signature matchup uh, on the slate tonight. And let's take a look at the what the optimizer spits out for this evening's contest, AJ. Can you run us through that list? Yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the lineup optimizer starting with a heavy center stack uh, from L.A. Going to go Kopitar and Carter at 7,000 and 6,100 respectively. And then goes uh, very high on the wingers with Kucherov at 7,900 and Taylor Hall for New Jersey at 7,600. The value picks by the optimizer, Valeri Nushkinen, uh, second line uh, player looking at second power play minutes. He's just at 3,500. And Andre uh, Svechnikov for Carolina. Again, he's slated for first line minutes and second uh, power play. He's also coming in at 3,500 as well. Uh, defensively, the optimizer spends some of that money it saved. Eric Carlson, 6,200. Uh, hopefully, you know, for the optimizer's sake, he can kind of get off uh, the schneid there a bit. And then Seth Jones, who we've talked about numerous times all season long, uh, still coming in at 5,300, a great value. Uh, the optimizer likes to go cheap tonight in, in between the nets with Corey Schneider uh, facing uh, Ottawa and uh, paying 7,500 on that one. So that's the optimizer breakdown there. There's definitely some solid uh, some solid plays there. I don't hate that lineup for sure. No, and I've got a couple of them in my roster, AJ. Let me go through my list and then we'll come back to you. But I'm leading it off with Elias Patterson. The runaway guy, a candidate, leading candidate for the rookie of the year, and uh, he gets to go into Detroit. We've talked about the fact that the Red Wings are in some level of disarray, and I look for the visitors to pounce on them. Patterson playing exceptionally well, 6200 a price tag. I think that's a steal for me. And I'll pair him with another guy who's playing top-line minutes in Columbus. Anytime you get a top-line player on a pretty good team for less than six grand, you got to jump on that, and that's Pierre-Luc Dubois rounding out a pretty cheap tandem that I should think should be very effective that allows me to go a little bit more expensive on the wings and i uh, find a way to put mitch martyr into the lineup he's been the best leaf uh, forward this season i expected that and i said it week one uh, even though they got the likes of Tavares and and matthews on this roster mitch marner is a guy that's the highlight reel for me and a guy that could be the club's leading scorer at the end of the year in my opinion so 7200 dollars for him Michael Granlund, I told uh, our listeners earlier that I think this guy is uh, one of the linchpins in the Minnesota attack, and he's playing like it right now, $6,700 his price tag. And I go across the ice to Timo Meyer, who's uh, only priced at $5,600, but his line is leading the league in scoring the last two weeks. So another screaming hot value on, on the wing for me. And I round it out with Tyler Johnson on that deep Edm uh, Tampa team. I think this is going to be a real shootout tonight in, in Florida with uh, the home side getting the advantage of the depth of their roster and Johnson is a centerpiece there so I like him at $5,600 you mentioned Seth Jones the optimizer likes him well I like him a lot too and I think he's evolving into a very complete defenseman and we're seeing a more offensive upside from him and I think he shows it even though he's priced at $5,300 I think that's good value and then Thomas Shabbat priced at only $4,600 I spoke to the fact that he's playing at better than producing better than a point a game that's that's a no-brainer 
AJ. And then uh, in terms of an opportunity, I don't think he's going to be too widely owned, but I'm taking Jacob Markstrom against that uh, woeful Detroit outfit. I think the visitors come out and uh, go all over the Red Wings tonight, and Markstrom receipts for a rather easy win. Could be even a shutout tonight. What do you say about my roster? What do you think about your picks? Let's share them with the class. Yeah, I definitely like some of the value plays you got in there. Uh, I'm not as high on Pierre-Luc Dubois, but uh, definitely uh, like the rest of uh, what you built there. For me tonight, I'm really looking uh, at four lines, uh, and I'll I'll highlight those quick. I love Vancouver 1 with uh, Pedersen, Besser, and Godobin. That's assuming Besser plays. I love both Tampa 1 and Tampa 2. So Stamkos, Kucherov on 1, Johnson, Gord, point being 2, and then the Edmonton uh, number 1, McDavid, Nugent, Hopkins, and, and Cagulari, it looks like. For me, how I'm going to shuffle that around my lineup is going to be Connor McDavid at the top, 9400 It's a lot to pay, and I'll actually continue to pay up with Steven Stamkos at $7,800. Wow. Uh, so big spending at the top. For wings, I am going to go with Kucherov, get that one-two punch with Stamkos and Kucherov, 7900 and I'll fill out my wingers with the rest of McDavid's line. So Ryan Nugent Hopkins, 6500 I think he's a pretty good value at that point. Uh, and then Drake Kajulia, 4300 uh, for first-line minutes playing with r and H and McDavid. I think he's a great value. I got to stick one more value guy in there, and I like Zach Hyman at 4400 for your Maple Leafs, uh, playing top six minutes, producing pretty well. Now, if you're following along, I've spent up a lot of my money at that point, so I had to go really cheap on the blue line here. I love Andy Welinski. I talked to him about him in the preseason. Uh, hasn't produced quite as highly, so you know this is definitely a GPP lineup. It's it's not a 50-50 cash game one. Welinski, 3,500. And then Adam Larson for Edmonton. Uh, you know, I, I do... Uh, have four Edmonton players up against a, a solid Tampa Bay team here, but I think all three of these guys can produce. And Larson's coming in at 3,700, and I'll go with Corey Schneider uh, at 7,500, a cheap uh, goaltending option. So that's how I broke it down. But like I said, uh, Vancouver one is a solid option, or Tampa two as far as other lines to look at stacking. Well, and we'll go to the stud of the week, and we'll take a look at that Tampa 2 lineup to get the stud of the week this week, AJ. And it's one Braden Point, a Toronto area uh, native, uh, playing on the second unit there. Just another weapon in a deep Tampa arsenal. You pick your poison here. Do you defend against Stamkos and his unit, or do you go against that second unit? They have that deep defense, and they got Vasilevsky in goal. There's really no holes here. Point, for his part, though, led all skaters last week with eight points in four games played. So I'm talking about riding the hot stick here when this guy gets in the lineup. He's improved steadily in each of his three seasons and is on pace to go better than a point per game this year. And it may surprise our listeners that he's among the top 20 scorers in the league through 14 games played. So kudos to him for a great start and a great value play in fantasy because he avoids the top checkers every night because most opponents will be concerned with the Tampa 1 lineup that you highlighted earlier. Yeah, you talk about uh, value play there. You know, for tonight's slate, he's coming in $1,000 cheaper than than Steven Stamkos. And so really uh, producing at a higher rate for, for much uh, lower cost. And so I, I agree. I love everything he's doing. I think he highlights the depth that this Tampa team has and how dangerous they are. Uh, I think every team in the East, Washington, Pittsburgh, uh, they are all going to be hard-pressed to match up with this Tampa Tampa lineup. And it, it could uh, finally be the year that the Lightning get back to uh, the Stanley Cup. 
Now, AJ, I'm a little older than you, as our listeners probably know. Uh, and I, when it comes to the rant of the week, I'm going to just simply say, are we talking NHL uh, rumors here, or are we talking TMZ-type rumors uh, in the entertainment biz? I'm highlighting the fact that the Ottawa Senators, Senators were in the center of a media storm last week when a video was leaked showing several of their players in a Uber lamenting their team's woes and coaches' messaging. Look, I know the team is sl- struggling to develop a positive identity, and after seeing a few of their top players leave in recent years, this is an unfortunate leak that doesn't paint the team in a very positive light, and more discretion needed to be used for sure. Uh, Coverage like this, though, has nothing to do with the positive imaging that the Sens fans need to see right now. This just buries the team a little bit more. To me, it's sad, though, that players can't find sanctuary away from the rink and and they're under constant scrutiny. Is there anyone among us who has never complained about their job? These guys just were caught doing it, and and, uh, because of their position in, in the entertainment circle, it got a lot of publicity. I think they need some sanctuary, some time away from being away from the cameras and and uh, the opportunity to live real lives i know they get paid a lot of money but this is quite an invasion and i think it's just a little over the top and and unnecessary i wish we would never have heard the story at all yeah i agree with you paul and and yeah maybe you know making a better choice you know not doing it in uh i wouldn't even call that a public setting but obviously the driver was there listening to what they were saying so uh even if there wasn't film of it i i I think better choices could have been made but ultimately i agree with you um you know they're they're venting about a, a bad game uh you know troubles with with what they see as problems uh, you know in the coaching staff everybody's gonna do that you nobody goes to work every single day and never complains about how things are or wishing that they would be better i think honestly what would be worse if i were a senators fan is if they didn't care they obviously care enough to have complaints about you know wanting to be better um, and hoping that the coaching staff could be better. And so I, I, I have no issue with, with really what they said. Uh, I take more umbrage with the fact that this felt like it needed to be released uh, to, to the media and that, you know, there was a problem with it from there. I, I think they're legitimate complaints. You know, obviously I'm not in that Ottawa room. I don't know how their coach deals with it, but it does sound like he's just describing what's happening rather than saying, this is what happened. This is how, you know, this would have been a better option or he should have done this with the puck rather than just saying, yep, this is what he did with the puck. So, I mean, granted, again, I'm not in the room, but it sounds like they have legitimate complaints that they should have, you know, be able to vent again, maybe a slightly better choice of venue could have been uh, made. But ultimately, I think this is a non-issue. It's a non-story in my in my opinion. And let's on, end on a little positive note, AJ. I mean, unscripted as it is, I'm, I'm not going to catch you off guard, though. Uh, I think <laughs> that the NHL season is showing why hockey is the greatest sport there is. There's been a number of surprises with some teams off to better starts than expected, and some teams have gone the other way. It just makes for compelling viewing every night around the NHL, and that's why I'm thrilled that we get to do a talk about this every week because storylines do emerge all over the map, and uh, some good, some bad, but always new stuff to talk about, and I'm thrilled we get a chance to do it on podcast. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's definitely uh, my favorite sport to watch. There, there's obviously a lot of other options out there for, for what people can watch on a night-to-night basis, but you're not going to see uh, anything, in, in my opinion, more exciting 
then, you know, then hockey, especially if you get to catch an overtime game, uh, I will maintain uh, day after day that three on three overtime hockey is the most exciting five minutes in all of sports right now. Amen to that, brother. Uh, well, that wraps up this week's episode of Pupcast with Statsman and AJ. Please remember to send your comments and questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. As always, we invite you to listen in to Pupcast to get our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody. Yeah.